You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Save big money on plant protection supplies. Now at Menards. Defend your garden with Triazicide Insect Killer. Its fast-acting formula protects lawns, vegetables, and many other plants. It kills more than 260 insects by contact, above and below ground. Choose from ready-to-spray, concentrate, or granular. Save big money on Triazicide Insect Killer at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Welcome to the Psychovertical Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Kirkpatrick. Uh, sorry for the the delay in this uh, this podcast. It's supposed to be out on Friday, but today is Saturday, I think. Um, so this podcast is coming uh, live from my car as I'm driving up the A9, M9, A9 from uh, Stirling to uh, Inverness in Scotland. So it's it's uh, it's uh, not a good day outside. It's like pouring with rain and uh, it's been, uh, the last few days have been pretty crappy weather up here. So it's a little, been a little bit like being back in Ireland. So um, I was like doing my uh, deep water driving skills. I was in the Lake District uh, stayed in the Lake District for a few days, and uh, I had to drive. You know, I don't know if you ever, I don't know if you ever driven through like really deep water. So the trick, if you don't know, is you uh, you have to you want to get into like a low gear, like second gear, and you just have to keep going. <laughs> don't stop. I give you stop, then you'll uh, you'll suck. The water gets sucked into your exhaust pipe, and then you're fucked basically. So. Um, if you go if you go in too fast, so if you're going you know if you're going in at fourth gear or something, and you're just gonna like think you're gonna go through it, like basically the uh, the water will just decelerate you, and then you'll like stop, and then you're then you've had it. So yeah, little little technique. I always it'd be great. I always want to have one of those cars where the exhaust comes up. Uh, you know, like there's like a Land Rover or a, a Toyota, you know, truck where you have the 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 thing comes up above the above the cab that's always looks, looks very cool it look pretty it probably look very stupid on, on this car so anyway and this is actually four by four actually this car but it's one of those it says Skoda Skoda Octavia that's you know that's that's the kind of car I drive well, I, well this, is, this is the kind of car that Vanessa bought so this is the kind of car I drive so I don't really know anything about cars like people are always saying like you know 
you know, what's its engine? I'm like, don't know, it's like black, something, black engine. So it's a diesel, diesel engine. Anyway, so um, on the subject of cars, um, what's been going on? So I was in Sheffield for a while. So I'm on tour, by the way, so I've been touring around in theatres. So far I've done Sheffield, Buxton, Leeds, Manchester, Stirling, and I'm in Inverness tonight. And then I'm in, where else, where else am I in? Uh, Ragged and Penrith and Lancaster and all sorts of, all over the place. Um, uh, figure, yeah, the num- numbers, because of, uh, of the the virus of unknown origin, the numbers have been uh, less. Like the last the last two tours I did over the last you know few years, uh, they, all, they always kind of sold out. Like I would say like 90% of them sold out. Where, he, where this time you've got, you know, like, much much reduced numbers like 150 you know like 300 to 150 so uh where before you'd have you know 500 you know 300 you know you'd, so anyway so it's but it kind of is it kind of is what it is really um usually when you go on tour usually if you went on tour i'd make enough money to uh to sort of sustain myself for a couple of, a couple of years um but I, I, I don't need much money to sustain myself, so um, so don't don't think it's like I'm making millions. But it's enough. You can make enough money if you you know if you're paying yourself like minimum wage, you could probably get by on the money you make for uh, you know like two years or something. So the so like when you're on tour, it kind of helps support the other stuff you want to do, like writing. Um, you know, if you want to write a book, uh, you know, if you do like a Kickstarter, you can probably raise enough money to support you as you're writing your book like in the old days you get an advance but it's quite hard to get an advance these days uh but the yeah going on tour is quite good you get you, you have enough money to support like a book project and then you make your money from your book project and then you do another tour and that kind of, that kind of thing it's, it's basically like hunter gathering it's a like hunter gathering kind of uh lifestyle which is kind of uh, very effective i would say as long as you as long as you're quite good at hunter gathering if you're not, you'll just starve to death. Where I guess most people have a job which is more like working on a farm, really. Like if the crops, if the crops all die, you're fucked and you'll starve to death. So unless you can get on another farm. So, so yeah, it's uh, living living by your wits. That's kind of how it how it works. Um, uh, on the subject of driving, so I was in I was in Sheffield for a while. Saw my kids, uh, which was good. Not seen them for ages. I've probably only seen them three times in the last two years, so, but that, that is quite good with Zoom and and uh, just telephones. Uh, so I don't really feel like I don't see them because I'm, you know, I kind of ring them most days and stuff. So it's kind of nice seeing them in the flesh. And uh, oh, oh god, and um, uh, Ella's Ella's uh, learning to drive. She's like 22. She's like trying to learn to drive. So I, she's done about 14 lessons, and she's she's a bit crap. Anyway, so I remember when I I learned to drive. I learned to drive when I was quite old. I was probably like 27 or something before I learned to drive. I also I probably didn't get a wallet till I was about 37 or a watch. So anyway, I was a late late bloomer. But I remember I passed my test, even though the driving instructor reckoned I wouldn't. Ha! Showed him. And, uh, and then I drove all the way to Scotland the next day, so never never been on a motorway or anything. So, but, but again, it felt like when I skied across Greenland, I'd never been skiing before. By the time I got to the end, I was pretty, you know, I was okay at it. So, 
Um, so yeah, so I decided to take Ella on like a massive big, uh, a big drive, and so when I, I drove her, I drove her out of Sheffield. I drove myself. Uh, well, actually, we drove in her sort of um, stepdad, like her, her, you know, her mum's husband, and my ex-wife's husband. Anyway, so we, so we used his car. My God, it was like the crappiest car. You know, when you get on, it, I couldn't even drive it. It was so crap. You know, it was just, you know, the clutch was like so stiff, and every, anyway, it was just really hard to drive this car. So that was quite good. It made it a lot. It made it's like you know the Romans used to track practice with a much heavier wooden sword than the real sword. So it was a bit is it that kind of concept? Anyway, so Vanessa, I'm um, Ella. So and I didn't really trust her to drive the car out of Sheffield because I thought she might crash it or something. So we I drove out to like a big straight road, Ringing Low Road, famous road in Sheffield, and uh, swapped seats. And she was like so crap. She couldn't even really get get the car started without stalling it and and then you know she drove she drove a couple of hundred yards and there's some traffic lights for a like road road maintenance traffic lights and then she stole the car again and missed the lights and anyway so but slowly she got a bit better and then we were going up like a steep hill and there's a cyclist and she got she got she tried to overtake but she was going too slowly on a bend uh well before a bend and then she ended up stalling the car on the wrong side of the road and then you know some cars were coming down so it was all very uh i was trying to keep my cool i was trying to be like a nice dad i was like what the fuck are you doing are you gonna kill us and all that kind of stuff i was just trying to be like just start the car just start the car don't worry about it the cars can see you they're not going to crash into you and and just trying to build it you know get up to it anyway she ended up she ended up driving for about five hours we drove all the way to buxton went up this thing called Winnett's Pass, which is a quite famous kind of scary road for, for, for drivers. It's very, very steep. So uh, I was like giving her my, my advice, like stay, stay far behind the next car in case they fuck up and stall and you'll stall. And, and uh, we ended up driving, so we drove to Buxton, across the Matlock and Chesterfield and did like a big like five hour kind of uh, drive. So it was very, it was very, uh, it was very good really. It was good, it just, you could see like how how tense she was to begin with. Like she couldn't even talk. She was just so, you know, terrified of driving, and like slowly her confidence like built, and she felt more comfortable, and to the point where she was actually like just talking about things that were to do with driving. And uh, so yeah, it's kind of in, it's interesting to see to see some, someone learning. But I think it's, it's it's a lot like climbing where it's you're trying to you're trying to get it. You're trying to. You're trying to make some things like you've, you've only got you've only got like so much processing power in your brain, and you're trying to um, move some operations into your subconscious, which they're not going to take up any of your primary processing power. If that makes any sense, um, you know, you, you kind of end up doing things instinctively, like you change your gears instinctively. You, you're kind of slowing down instinctively and you're you're then like using your full processing power for for just looking around i want one thing i kind of noticed is do you know when um when the, when the, you can see a hazard coming up so you can see you know like a car coming towards you um and the road's getting narrow or you have to look, do a difficult turn or you're suddenly confused with the road layout like what she would do she would kind of cross her fingers and close her eyes not literally but that was kind of what she was doing and just kind of hope to kind of get through that 
situation and you know 90% of the time 99% of the time you know she kind of would or people do but I was saying like that's that that's a time when you really need to open your eyes you know like slow down open your eyes um, and you know pay, pay more attention less let not less attention anyway so that was that was cool it's, it's kind of nice when you're when your kids get a bit older for you to be able to you know do do stuff like that and not just be the someone there who like asks for money and stuff so you know but she never pay, she never gives me any money so um uh so yeah so being so being on tour be going around uh to all these theaters um one like one thing i really noticed as soon as i started doing it doing my talk so my so my kind of show sort of begins with vanessa kind of decides having this like two-year sabbatical from being a teacher and then it kind of talks about these like two years or you know talks about going to america climbing in america and then end up climbing the El Cap another five times but then coming to the realization that really it's a little bit just autistic or just um uh you kind of it's like set like kind of nostalgic like you're just going to Yosemite all the time because you're kind of nostalgic for the times you've been there before and you're trying to recapture those kind of times and you're not really doing anything you're not really growing as a person or a climber by just climbing El Cap like you know a hundred times so um, so then we decided to go off to Africa and I talk about going to like Namibia and uh, Kenya, South Africa, climbing climbing there. Then we have a break, then I talk about uh, going to Denali, again like, you know, kind of more traditional kind of trip, but still kind of something out of my, it's not really, I guess it's not out of my comfort, although it was minus 50 up there, it's not, it's not really out of my comfort zone. But it was still something that I'd wanted to do a long time, so it was something I was probably scared of doing because I hadn't done it yet. So I'll talk about that, and then I talk about how we Vanessa didn't want to really go back to being a normal life after after being away for two years. So we had to, went to live in Kuwait and about like travelling around the Middle East and you know like Oman and Saudi Arabia and you know like those kind of countries. So so really the you know the like usually when you do a tour like for this. Usually, I, I kind of have all the, the basically all the stories and things, kind of in my head and the basic outline because, you know, everyone I'm, everyone I would meet, I'll be telling some story about this trip we went on and this happened and this happened, so it's all kind of formulated in my brain and I just have to like stitch them all together, in some sort of you know some sort of way that's kind of interesting, but on this trip because of the virus of unknown origin, I've been. I've not really been in contact with so many people, so a lot of the stories have just kind of remained like where they are, and you know, have not really been fleshed out. They're just like the basic thing. It was funny even just looking at the slides. I was like, I always like look through the slides when I go on a trip, and I'm always like, oh my god, there's like they're all shit. Like there's nothing, there's nothing here you can hang a tail on. They're all just like crap and. Like that one, one, I, one thing I realised a long time ago. I'd often like look through all my slides, and I, like my physical slides when I had like thirty-five millimeter slides, I would go through them and I would just end up throwing loads of them away and not even mounting them because because I, I thought they were crap. And then um, you know, as I kind of matured, like what I was doing, I realised like often the slides which seemed the least of least importance were actually the most important slides of all. Like. Yeah, you might save all those ones of your, you know, beautiful sunset 
or you know sunset or sunrise or whatever but they're they're really actually quite boring slides so you know you so yes yeah, so i try so but with digital with digital images it's not so bad because you're kind of you're kind of keeping them all there like that's why i was telling people never to you know edit or delete images from the camera just like just leave them on the sd card because you never know so anyway so i started like pulling out a few images and then i uh i just kind of like i know you're not supposed so you're not supposed to like you know edit your photographs anymore or pro or do any sort of processing on them but anyway so i have like a, a filter i tend to use and it just uh it really um this filter it really it really kind of brings them into it makes them look a little bit more cinematic and a little <laughs> just makes them look a lot better but it's but it's a little bit more stylized you know the actual image is probably more like how it really was but it just makes it, it makes them a bit grainier and a bit you know I don't know if you've ever seen like the French Connection if you ever watched the French Connection it's very very grainy and very dark the filming it's all handheld and it's a little bit like that it makes your film your camera your, your photos more you know less transformers and well transformers is stylized really stylized but anyway it just makes it feel a bit more what what was really going on and it makes me look like i'm a bit of a better photographer than i really am anyway so so i get all the photographs together and that would be like actually i have there is a story here and uh, you put them all together and then you know you sort of jumble them all together you need like your your Africa slides, you know, you, it's it's kind of linear. You got like a linear story. You, you know, you begin with about Vanessa meeting Vanessa. You know, her kind of path as a climber, and then wanting to expand on that path, and then you know, this having a sabbatical. Then you you know, you just build build one one thing after the other. And so I was I was I've been doing that for like well well over a, about about a month, which is unusual because usually I would just do do my slideshow like the day before probably and because it was all in my head I didn't yeah I just had to put the slides together so what and what you usually do like once you put your slideshow together like if you were a proper comedian like I'm not a comedian but if you were a comedian or you know someone like that you would uh, you would just do you would do your uh, your show in front of uh, an audience you know like a small audiences and you would like edit it and uh, you know adjust it and get feedback, and then you'd end up with like a completely finished uh, show. Like some people like would like record themselves every single night and go home and listen to it, uh, and then just keep adjusting it. But I didn't really have that. Didn't really have that. So you just have to have a sh just have to have a show put together that you feel is worthy of someone paying a ticket to listen to it. And usually, I think I said in my last podcast, usually. You know, slideshows are shit. So you know, they're, they're all they've got a very low base, very low standard anyway. So you just have to be a bit better than that. And uh, anyway, so so I turn up in Sheffield, and I start doing my talk. And I think straight away, like at the beginning, I have this story about these two men in the desert, like a like a kind of a you know a joke. Well, not a joke. It's like a, it's kind of it's kind of funny. I find it funny. But it's like kind of story. I'll tell you. I'll tell you it. Anyway, there's these two men in the desert. They're living in the desert. It's like really, really grim. Um, cold at night, hot in the day. There's nothing to drink, nothing to eat. They're kind of scrabbling around, like trying to survive. And they basically have nothing apart from one of them has a goat. And because he has a goat, the other guy hates him. Like he's like, oh, look at you, the 1% and all that kind of stuff. He like hates this guy with the goat. And uh, anyway, one day, one day, the guy without the goat, he's kind of scrabbling around in the dirt. And he, uh, he sees something like metallic. So he, he like, 
digs it up and it's a lamp. So he rubs this lamp and out comes a genie. And the genie's like, oh, you have released me from 10,000 years of imprisonment. I will grant you one wish. So the, so the guy is like, oh, God, he's thinking. And the, wish, the, the, the genie's like, you can have everything you want. You can have a hundred virgins. You can have you know, all the gold you want. You can have a palace. Tell me what you want. And he goes, kill his goat. So, um, so anyway, so when I, when I told the story the first time, I said, like, oh, there's these two guys in the desert. One's called Muhammad. The other one's called Muhammad. And straight away, you could feel, like, people, like, tensing up that they thought I was going to, they didn't know what I was going to say. Like, a, like in reality, if you ever go to somewhere where there's a desert, there's a hell of a lot of people called Muhammad. So it's not really, it's not really a controversial thing to say. But anyway, and then, um, anyway, so I decided to not call them Muhammad when I, the next night in Buxton. But when I said, the genie came out and said, I will give you one wish, whatever you want. Again, I kind of felt people kind of like, bristle a little bit like oh that's a bit racist the way he said that genie voice you know and uh, so then I, so then I, like in the middle of saying it, I said actually I'm not going to do it like that you know I'm just going to do it like this like oh hello there what would you like here we are so you can have whatever you want so um so I really I really noticed throughout the throughout the the first show that that people were even more hypersensitive than they are normally you know like people have just become you know, like dementedly, tementedly sensitive, um, uh, which I would say is actually the opposite. They're just like they've become desensitized from normal, rational, you know, ways of communicating. You know, where you know where people um, mimic people's voices, or you know, you know, kind of make fun of cliches about other people. You know, all that kind of stuff. So um, anyway, so. So anyway, so in um, so then I started putting a slide up of Dave Chappelle. Like at the start, I had a slide of Dave Chappelle, and I said like, "Oh, people, you know, someone last night in Sheffield said I'm like Dave Chappelle." And I said, "What? Like, you know, very funny and uh, successful?" He said, "No, you kind of piss people off, uh, piss some people off." And because uh, it kind of, I thought it was kind of funny. And I said how oh, my son had come to my talk, and he was taking notes, and one of his notes was like be less racist and um, which was kind of a joke really because um, because <laughs> there's a bit where I say like oh Vanessa wanted to go to Africa but I didn't want to I didn't want to go because I'm really racist like of course I'm not really racist it's a joke about about going to Africa like if I was really racist I wouldn't be going to Africa probably and I wouldn't be going to live in the Middle East either you know when I say I'm Islamophobic I don't literally mean I'm Islamophobic so, like, no, but although no one would have a de- no one has a problem when I say I'm an atheist, or when they say, or when I say I'm an anti-theist, you know, which means I hate religion. You know, like, no one's got a problem with that. But if I say I'm Islamophobic, they have a problem with that. So, which is exactly the same way of saying the same thing. So, anyway, so I so I started having this slide, and uh, and I was being very very cautious. I thought by by having this kind of trigger warning, you know, I was, I was saying like the whole. The whole thing and what I'm talking about is basically discomfort, physical discomfort, danger, dealing with things you've not dealt with before, like different cultures, wild animals, you know, all this kind of stuff, 50 degrees minus, 50 degrees plus, all these kind of things. So so by the time I got to, to Manchester, I thought I'd kind of uh, 
I was, I would, I'd started like editing out slides. I had slides where, you know, you were telling the story and it was just a bit flat. Like, you know, got, I'm, I'm like building up my like, you're kind of improvising as you go along. You know, you, you say something just off the cuff and people laugh and you go, so the next night you say it again and you, you, try, and, you try and make it seem as, um, you know, as not as not scripted, because it isn't scripted. I'm just like standing there, you know, it's just, I don't have a script. I just have a, I just have a slide to remind me what I'm supposed to be talking about. Uh, there's no like, I haven't got anything written down what to say, I just have to kind of remember. And you're just kind of going with the audience. And although it's not, one, one thing I've always, often realized with me is when people go quiet, I think they're not enjoying it, but actually some things you're talking about, it's not funny or it's not something, you know, you, so I, I'm always kind of wary not to be too afraid of, of silence, but I am a bit of a, a whore when it comes to, you know, people laughing and stuff, so. Anyway, so it was like kind of a, there's, there's some stories which are a, um, like a little bit, are like a little bit flat. So I just uh, would kind of reduce, you know, kind of like cut those stories out. You know, they'd be like, we went here to climb Mount Whitney and uh, we walked up and we climbed it and then that was it. You know, it's kind of like, mm, does anybody really need to see a photograph of Mount Whitney? Like, so I would kind of edit, edit it down and it was like, I had a slide of like Vanessa in Camp, camp to Iceberg Lake we did like East Face of Matt Whitney and um, she's come to Iceberg Lake and she's got a little she's got we've got like some bear box uh, bear is it not bear box what they're called bear canister and um, you know so and I'm like oh to be honest I've had these I've always I've had these carrot bear canisters on loads of trips but I've never caught one yet and so that's kind of funny so you just maybe have a little you know you just kind of have that one slide and you just it's just an aside so it's just like a you know a little tiny thing anyway so i um i eventually uh uh oh god i'm driving through some huge puddles here on the m9 i eventually get to manchester and by now so i've, I've done the uh, this is like the third time i've done the talk so the talk should be it should be pretty you know it's getting better and better and better and uh, I'm ironing out like a few technical problems. Like I'm doing it on an iPad now because I was doing it on my MacBook Air, but it's for some reason it's very slow. Like when you press the next slide, like nothing happens. So that kind of like spoils the flow. Like the people, the audience are aware that there's something like, you know, like you know, something laggy in the way I'm the way I'm talking and the slides moving and stuff. Anyway, so now I'm kind of I'm just using it on iPad, which actually works really well. So. Anyway, so I did the, I did this talk in Manchester. seemed to seemed to go seemed to go well. Everyone seemed to enjoy it and all this kind of stuff. And then uh, and then the next day I get like an email and I look at it read down. Didn't read the whole email, the the attachment. But basically, a group of people left the show because they said I was uh, racist. And there was something about they were one of them was still shocked how racist I was. And um, they never, they didn't actually define what I'd said what was racist, which is kind of, you know, like I really, if you're going to bandy around that kind of word about somebody, you know, it's okay for me to say I'm racist for a joke, but, you know, when someone is really sending an email to the theatre, you know, you can't, what is their, what is the aim of this email? Like, what, what is their intent, basically? Um, you know, they said, like, oh, he had this, you know, just, just having an image of Dave Chappelle you know, as a trigger warning, was triggering for this person. You know, because Dave Chappelle is a well-known, you know, um, turf and uh, 
you know, anti-trans kind of person. And yeah, he, yes, he might be. Yes, he is black, but he's probably like, you know, he probably represents the white. You know, it's like the black face of white supremacy or something. Um, you know, someone like me, who's obviously a you know white supremacist, would would really would really like someone like Dave Chappelle. So, um, and uh, and just just basically a load of old bullshit in this email. Like, you know, he actually said he was racist. You know, he actually he actually you know said he was racist in his uh, at the beginning of his slideshow and he was racist that kind of thing it's like you know it's uh i'm sure i'm sure even the most like racist you know like hate preachers don't say the racist at the beginning you know they, they would you know it's, it's probably not a good idea especially when you've got an audience you know in the uk which is probably the most racially sensitive country on the planet you know like the most you know it's just um you know, like you've, 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 I, I actually, I actually think you're. Uh, I think they have like, you know, the, the blasphemy blasphemy laws in Saudi Arabia are probably less strict than they are in the UK, and and definitely when it comes to just being free to say what you want, you know, it's, it's probably, you know, you go to any totalitarian totalitarian country, and I think you'd find that that people feel more free to, you know, to to, you know, it's like hello comrade you know like you have to have like a little secret um you know secret thing but what is really funny was when i was in leeds oh yeah the leeds as well so i done like i done four yeah sheffield buxton leeds then manchester and um yeah, when i was in leeds the the guy who was running the event at the theater was uh, like a black guy it was like where are you from and he said oh, i'm from the ivory coast so he was like Af- an african guy and i was like started, to- started telling him about how had felt this like real change in the audience, which is which has been which has been getting worse every time I've been on tour. It's been getting worse. Like I got banned. I got banned from a from about three venues last time for making a joke about my shoes. Um, you know, it's been getting worse. And he was he was basically agreeing with me with like what is ro- what is like, kind of wrong with with people. You know, like you know, I was like maybe I need to get you to come up. You know, I say like oh I've got this like. This guy who comes from who's from Africa, from the Ivory Coast here, and he's sitting there at the at the end of the stage. And every time I say anything, I'm going to like check with him, and he's going to like give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down, and um, hopefully that will like you know, because because no one's actually offended for themselves. Uh, you know, if I made a joke about like you know fat people, you know how how basically you know if we're going to all have to get vaccinated, we should also you know like. Um, kill all the fat people or something you know because they're a drain you know they're there you know it's a social responsibility to either get thin or kill themselves you know if i said that you know if you're really fat you might find that offensive um but if you're really thin and you find that offensive on the behalf of fat people then i, I you, know, <laughs> you know you know you can be offended but um you know it, it just it's just this kind of uh you know you know like Second-hand offence. It's uh, kind of. It's kind of. You know, they'd be like, "Oh, well, that African guy. What does he know? You know, he's probably a white supremacist. He doesn't even realise it. He's probably racist. You know, because you know most Africans are racist. Um, so, yeah. So it's. Uh, so it, 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 it triggered. It triggered a few thoughts in my head. Like one thing is you end up. You know. So now I have to somehow demonstrate that I'm not racist, even though there's no record of what I actually said that was racist. You know, it's just like a charge that I was racist. So racist this person was shocked how racist I was. 
um, uh, maybe it was like there was a bit where I was like do not go up the mountain you know maybe it was that like it was like I did like a kind of like African-y voice like out of Tarzan or something so maybe that was it I mentioned Tarzan maybe that was it um, mentioned fighting baboons I mentioned um, you know maybe it's like a, a stereotype that all baboons in in Africa are kind of violent and try and kill you or something or um, anyway so who, who knows like what what is going on in this person's head so but a few thoughts where you know in that probably there was like 150 people in that audience and I would say like either people thought the show was 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 okay or they thought it was great you know like they really enjoyed it they found it funny I had lots of like interesting emails from people like it's thought-provoking and everything else it's not just a you know this is my holidays kind of slideshow and um, so maybe like one percent two percent were offended and because of that one percent or two percent um, you know there's no question about how how much we can depend on their judgment or whether they're might basically mentally ill you know which is kind of very easy to become mentally ill at the moment because people's brains have all been rewired and jungled up jumbled up so you know because of that 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 tiny percentage of people I'm kind of now on trial for being racist with no with no evidence and no real way of uh, demonstrating my uh, even probably even probably trying to prove that I'm not racist is a sign that I'm racist because really I'm white I am racist I must be just racist anyway so I'm all, I am already I'm convicted already just by the fact that I'm a white you know I'm, I'm probably sexist as well uh, I was born in 1971 so probably I probably am um, I, I would I often say like I, I think the word racism is a really pointless term like is it like racism is a bit like you know like proper mental health issues is when you see it you know exactly what it is there's no kind of oh I'm a bit bipolar or I'm a bit racist it's like that is a fucking racist scumbag or that is someone with like schizophrenia like there's there's no you know I don't really you know beyond that there's tribalism and tribalism is in it's hardwired into everybody and you know the world is the western world is a thousand times more tribal than it ever ever has been in my lifetime. Like the all these kind of um, anti-racist people, you know, the walk the walk elite or what you call it, the walkinistas. Like they have really turned the whole world upside down. They've made it like so, you know, so toxic for everybody. Like you know, like if I, you know, if I was a, if I was like a minority, you know, I'd, like if I was black or whatever. Like I, I don't. You may, they may think they're winning, but they're not. They're making it. They're making the situation a million times worse. Um, and you can you can sort of see what's going on. You just you just look at any other country. You like, you know, going on Africa, you, you can see it. You know, it's not about skin color. It's about tribe. It's about the Hutus versus the you know the other tribe. It's you know it's the you know it's the it's just, it's just um, there's, there's there's something like hardwired into people. And you you see it in other things. It could be in, um, you know, like a, like a vegan diet. You know, being a vegan or being a, a road cyclist or you know being a boulder, not a climber, or you know, it's all it's all these uh, a Mac, not a Windows user. You know, it's uh, it's kind of it's just hardwired into so many things, and you really need to try and 
you know get away from that kind of thing because it is the it's the pathway to hell and you know just because you think your side is winning you know it doesn't mean you're going to win like it just means you're going to you know you're going to it's just not it's not good um so so but so when so when you get this what you know when you get like how's like uh dion who is the guy who's like producing the you know like the you know he kind of books all the gigs and he's like doing all the advertising it's, it's kind of his it's his company basically and like partly i'm on tour because of him as in i understand how tough it is having an events business through all this you know like really i, sh- I should have not i shouldn't be touring i should tour next year you know when people things might be back to normal but i'm kind of doing it more on his on his behalf so for him it's like you know he's kind of you know terrified because you know his business is like hanging on by a thread probably and this kind of thing like he probably thinks there's going to be some like you know campaign against me or it's kind of hard to not on social media just kind of if you don't on social media then you don't really exist in that you know in that kind of thing um so yeah so for him it kind of terrify it kind of terrifies him um but one thing you know and i think he, he views he does view me as being controver a controversial person but um i don't view myself as controversial i just think everybody else has just become like i've just always been the same person but i think everybody else has, has basically become hyper hyper oversensitive like to the point where they don't even know what's what's real or what's not real anymore and um but one thing i one thing I kind of refuse to do is to pay like a tax, you know, the tax of like, oh, well, I, you know, like I'm not racist because of this, because of this reason and because of like, you know, that, you know, I I shouldn't have to pay the tax of that. Like if someone can, someone, if someone just comes up to me at the end of the gig and says, or emails me directly and says, you said this, I think that is offensive and give me the opportunity to explain or admit it was wrong or I made or because it's basically in in comedy and in any in anything any any conversation whether you're talking to one person or you're talking to 500 people it's uh, or on this podcast even you're there's a line you don't cross and most people stay way away from that line like their whole lives are full of chit chat. They never have a serious conversation with anybody whatsoever. And they have, and the, you know, and the, and all the media they consume is a fucking mile from that line. Like they, they have no, they have no grasp of reality. Really, I would say, in my in my, in my, you know, my view, like most people, you know, are clueless about the world around them, are clueless about themselves, clueless about each other. And um, the closer you get to the line. The more you're trying, the more you're trying to understand yourself and the world around you. But that line is very, you know, it's very hard to see. And in comedy, especially, like when someone is the closer to the line you are, whether you're speaking or writing or or singing a song or whatever, the 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 more um, piercing it is. You know, someone will say something that is um, incredibly moving or incredibly funny you know like the, you know the classic things it's so it's you know it's so raw and so dangerous what someone says but it's also like so funny that you can't help laugh and you know it's so dangerous to laugh because that person's taking you you know kind of to, to, to the line um, 
you know, like it, like it, and I think that the, the, if you imagine like, you know, you've got like barriers, you know, you've got some sort of safety barriers, like those safety barriers are placed, you know, so far away from the line now, you know, like, because it's like, there's nothing to see here. There's not that this is a dangerous, you know, people who are willing to go over there, they're kind of dangerous. You shouldn't listen to those people. Just listen to us. Like we've, you know, we, you know, we've made a new line and this line is a safe line where anything, everything can be discussed safely and, uh, but, but kind of nothing can be understood. So like my, like my, like, you know, my, I've always been interested in, um, I've always been, I think because I'm like a, I'm like a tinkerer, I like to take things, to, things apart and try and understand what, how they work and that applies to, you know, applies to just, just life and, you know, all those kind of things, culture and everything else. So, but you can't do it, you can't do it behind a barrier, you really have to go, go up to the line and just kind of see, see what's there really. So, but the 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 role of a the role of a theater you know the role of netflix the role of these kind of places where you uh where you're gonna you know tell people what you what you've seen or what your perception of what you find at the line is um you know it's like it's like vital but also you know if people are just going to theater and they're just talking about the gingerbread man or something you know they're just doing like children's kind of theatre like I, I, I think at most television now is basically what 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 children's programming was you know in the 1980s like it's all been dumbed down to such a level it's not adult adult entertainment anymore it's all kind of uh, you know it's just it's visual the same with the same with like you know James Bond film or whatever it's just it's just kind of dumbed down basically it's just visuals it's like it's just big robots kick, you know, fight, kicking the fuck out of each other. You know, it's all, it's all, it's all that kind of stuff. It's, um, it's all drama, but there's no real, no real meaning to it. So, um, yeah. So really, it's the, it's the job of the theatre to just fucking back people up. You know, like you've booked them. You know, you, you've, you've looked at their, their reputation or how many tickets have sold in the past and therefore you've booked them. Now fucking back them up. You know, like no one is gonna, I'm not gonna suddenly turn into, you know, some racist asshole like Zeke Heiling. Oh, you know, Mel Brooks can do it. Why not, why not, why not me? You know, you know, if, um, but really all our kind of media, you know, the the doorkeepers, you know, they, they, um, they have to back people up because if they don't, people will stop doing it. You know all those comedians, um, you know any kind of any kind of play or show that's kind of difficult. You'll just get this like you know like safe, politically correct kind of dirge, just like bland. You know, you know this kind of there's a word for it. You know where people aren't they're not clapping or laugh. They're not laughing. They're clapping. If you know what I mean. You know like it's much harder to laugh, but it's much easier to clap. And uh, and you can see it in you can see it in in all the mainstream media how you know it's uh, you know I quite like to see a James I quite like to see a a Doctor Who is like a, 
you know, bigoted racist. It'd be very interesting. You know, it'd be really interesting to, you know, why, why could Doctor Who not be a bigoted racist? They wouldn't, it's like Alf Garnet. You know, you had this, these characters who were like bigoted, racist, you know, homophobic, sexist assholes. But they kind of demonstrated how stupid they were. You know, like we all grew up on these people and we were made aware of how ridiculousness, how ridiculous being racist or sexist was um, because of those people where I don't think that's true when you've got just these, um, you know, these people who don't live, you know, in the functioning, you know, objective reality that, you know, that exists around us, you know, so it's, uh, so yeah, so that's kind of, um, so you know, so you, so you, get, you, you get all that bullshit and I'm just thinking like, well, what should I do? Should I just like cut out everything? I'll, I'll get, I'll get, I won't have a trigger warning. I'll just get rid of that straight away. No, nothing to do with Dave Chappelle because straight away, you know, you, 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 you have this thing where your audience, like I always imagine you listening to this now that you are like a rational adult and you can take, you know, you can understand nuance and you can understand you know my the way I'm talking that I'm not an evil fucker and I and I have I have I don't hate anybody and I've and I I have bent I've bent over all my life to help people for no you know for no personal gain and um, you know like I have I have doubts you know I I I I'm totally into like a multi multi racial society but I do have doubts whether you know, a multicultural society is, is possible. And that kind of is not a controversial point. It's something borne out by a lot of people who were once, you know, completely into multiculturalism, but they kind of come to the conclusion doesn't really work. And um, so, the, but that, you know, so yeah, maybe that's a controversial point, but it's something that should be discussed. It's not something that is, uh, is called racist. Because when you have things like, when you stop people from talking about shit like that, you end up with your Donald Trumps and your Brexits and your, you know, <laughs> wars in Yugoslavia and all this kind of shit, you know, the breakup of Lebanon, you know, civil war and all that kind of shit. Like, it's very important that people can talk about all these kind of things and not just be labelled, you know, you know, racist, basically. So, but anyway, I guess we're on that, the road to hell anyway, because that's... You know, it's kind of it's kind of game over. So, so um, yeah. So, but yeah. So straight away, it's like right. I have to get rid of the trigger warning, and maybe I should just not talk about going to Africa, because you know anything I any any anything I say is going to um, is going to trigger somebody, and maybe I'll not talk about going to the Middle East, and maybe I'll just have to talk about going to Denali with Vanessa. But then maybe it's maybe I'm being sexist the way I talk about. You know Vanessa, or you know making jokes about being Irish. Maybe that's maybe that's racist. So you would probably get to the point where you were just having to talk about going soloing, and even then you're probably into trouble because you um, you're not using the original you know you know uh, First Nation names for El Capitan or you know all that kind of all that kind of stuff. So you really you really can't win. And I'm I'm very. I'm, I would say I'm a very strong person in, um, like I hold, I try and hold myself to quite a high standard and I, I am willing to completely, 
you know, like if if people kind of demand I do something that I don't agree with, like change my views or conform to something I don't want to conform to, like I'll just, no matter how much I love them or I know they love me, I'll just have to not deal with them anymore because I'm not, and it's not that I'm, it's not that I'm not willing to change, it's just that I'm not willing to be coerced and to change, like I have to come to my own conclusion, you know, with things, so um, so it's, but even I like feel, I feel and I know I'm like self-censoring, um, I'm self-censoring way more than I used to, like one reason I'm not on, you know, by not being on social media, I'm kind of self-censoring, like massively, like yesterday after the gig someone came up and he's like, oh I really miss all your crazy stuff on Instagram and you know that is kind of self-censoring because I just uh, I don't do it anymore you know and um, you know and, and in some for all the for all the shit that caused me it was actually very pr- product you know it was very stimulating and it was very creative like being able to just you know blab out some thought on, on Instagram and um, you know get like you know likes and dislikes but I have kind of self-censored myself by not doing it and I self-censor myself, I don't talk about, I don't talk about COVID really, I don't talk about, you know, all the stuff around that because, like partly because I think um, it's so, it's so emotional, like all that kind of stuff is so um, raw in me that I know that I don't want to, you know, like I'm, I'm basically if you listen to this podcast, you're inviting me into your head and um, although generally like if it's if I'm writing something then you can stop reading and you can read something else but like a podcast or something like every now and again I'll um, I'll hear I'll listen to a podcast and again there's this line where they'll sort of overstep the line and in in terms of like in terms of the COVID stuff I just think it's too um it's just too much, really. Like we we're bombarded with it all the time, and I don't just I just don't want to be. I just don't want to add to it the chaff and the and the din of it all. So um, so I am kind of I do self censor myself more often because I do kind of view it like I would never stand up on stage and start pontificating about Scottish independence or Brexit or politics because like you know like someone has paid for me to entertain them and they've paid for me I hopefully to have some kind of mental stimulation but I'm not there to do like a party political broadcast or or whatever um like an example of that like I really love John le Carre like I've always loved John John le Carre and I, I just love um I just love everything about his writing I love the the way I'm observes the small details and the pacing and um, you know there's a lot of things that are unsaid and I just thought I always thought he was a fantastic writer but when I was listening because I'm driving around I was listening to the audiobook of his uh, uh, probably the last book he ever wrote and he's actually reading it I think it's called it's called like Man Running in a Field or something and I was really really enjoying it and then he suddenly has this bit where the character says um uh, he basically says, you know, like Brexit was the worst, you know, the worst thing 
since um, you know like 19 you know 1939 or something and uh, Donald Trump is you know at the face of uh, white supremacy or whatever and and it's not it's not that I disagree, not that I necessarily would say I disagree with the with the statements like I can I can totally understand John le Carre's um, you know, like the the kind of newspapers he's reading, the circles he kind of lives in, like, um, and the time he wrote it. But, but um, like in re- like looking back, just you know, looking back, you know, like I really think it'd be hard to say that you know someone like Donald Trump was the face of white supremacy or whatever. Or you know, there's there's a, there's a lot of stuff. It was just for me whether you were like pro-Brexit or anti-Brexit it just spoiled it it was like it broke it broke the, the fourth wall because it, he, he showed his hand it wasn't the it wasn't the character it was kind of John le Carre like saying that he was like so angry about Brexit that he was kind of like showing his hand and uh, like a good a good writer you know say a good writer who was like heartbroken that Scotland didn't get independence, you know, should be able to write the story, you know, about someone who was, um, you know, like anti-independence, uh, you know, wanted the, like a Remainer for Scottish independence. You know, he, you know, that, that's kind of the duty of the of the writer not to really, not really to show themselves. Um, so it kind of, it, it was like, it was like, it was, it was kind of sad, really. Um, and you, you know you always have to, you always have to be aware that that you know the you, you always imagine that everyone who's listening to you thinks the way you do, but often often they don't, and they might think completely you know completely opposite. Someone was talking about one of the theatres, like Roy Chubby Brown. You know, if, if you don't know who Roy Chubby Brown is, you have to Google him. But he was this kind of incredibly kind of rude, kind of obnoxious, offensive um, um, comedian. Who was a kind of around when I was a little kid? You know, people used to. He had this song like "I'm a wanker, I'm a wanker" or something, and we used to sing it when we were kids. So, and he's still, he's still around. He's still like touring, and he was like banned from Sheffield recently because he was so racist and offensive. Now, I don't, I don't think you should. I don't think you should ban people from from appearing in theatres. I guess you can like, you can book them or you cannot book them, and they'll just find somewhere else that somewhere somewhere else to go. But if you book them, you should let them come, because, like, generally, you know, people who cross the line, and obviously, I think Roy Chubby Brown definitely does cross the line, is their audience just kind of diminishes. Really, they die, they kind of die out. You know, people with old-fashioned ideas kind of die out, and um, and the culture just kind of changes, and what what is acceptable changes. Um, like, I would, I would. You know, I'm like 50 years old, and I think all my life I've had a very strong sense of of what actual racism is. You know, like I, this is not part of paying my tax. And as I said before, like I grew up with my best friends were like a Sikh, you know, like someone from Ghana, a guy, a kid from Lebanon. So you know, I kind of I was an outsider as a kid, and I and I kind of hung out with outsiders. So I, I think I always had a very heightened sense of like what what is racism you know what is real racism and and I think people are the same like what was once funny like someone doing Jim Davidson doing Chalky or some African 
you know, African kind of guy, like Caribbean kind of guy, or even Lenny Henry, you know, who's a black comedian, who is now going on around saying how racist, you know, racist it was for him as a comedian in the UK when he just got, he used to go around doing the voices of Jamaicans. Um, you know, it's uh, it's. Um, you know, like it, it just it just changes the culture changes. So you just you don't find those things kind of you know funny, and people find other things. You know, th- this thing recently where here in the UK, you know, the deputy leader of one party called, you know, basically the opposition and probably all its voters scum. You know, you just couldn't imagine that even in the days of Margaret Thatcher and Neil Kinnock, who you know obviously hated each other. You could never imagine them calling each other scum. You know, so maybe I don't. I would hope in the future, you know, because culture can culture can reverse itself. You know, civilization can reverse itself. It's not only like a one-way street. So, um, so, so anyway, so so it so it kind of it does change. And but I would say in the, in terms of what I'm talking about, it is kind of reversing because um, you know that hypersensitivity is not not aiding in. In the ability to communicate and talk about things, it's the the complete opposite. Um, so, so yeah, so it's a it's like a tricky it's a tricky thing. And for the and I think for the, for those kind of people, um, you know, those kind of people who like there there is a chance that that person came specifically just to um, just to just to walk out and just to make life difficult. Like I, you know, I have lost quite a lot of work because I've had people, you know, contacting my, you know, people who paid me, sponsors, that kind of stuff, to say that I was like, you know, alt-right or something, you know, just because I didn't follow the same, you know, didn't say the same thing as everybody else. Um, you know, so there, there is that, there is that, there is that chance. That's just, uh, that's what, that, that's what it is, you know, because ultimately the, the aim is, is to, uh, punish me for not being you know not being like everybody else like not not towing the line not keeping my mouth shut not doing what you know not doing the not being a, a zealot basically you know or not but either not being a zealot it's okay not being a zealot because only only minority can be zealots but not just being a follower well if you can't be a follower they're not just you know not just keeping quiet and staying in st- staying in my lane you know like um so you know because basically you have to be made an example of and uh you know that the, the like it's the, it's the kendall film festival at the moment and someone was like you know how can we never go to the kendall film festival anymore and i'm like because i never get asked and you know maybe that's you know maybe there's a good reason for that but maybe it's just that you know like i'm too in, in exclamation marks too controversial and they just can't be dealing with any you know it's too it's too stressful having someone like me or or John Redhead or you know some anyone like that like 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 talking at their at these events it's uh, it just becomes kind of you know I don't know it kind of loses something like you know out like climbing festivals outdoor festivals used to be quite rebellious things with you know fights and you know all sorts of all sorts of shenanigans going on um, but they become much more safe and tame like all the films are basically from Red Bull and you know Discovery Channel and National Geographic and you know they kind of become just you know very corporatized and uh, kind of a bit, just a bit bland really but 
but maybe yeah maybe that's unfair about Kendall but I just uh, it just yeah maybe <laughs> well see seeing I'm seeing I'm, I'm up on a charge of being racist maybe that's uh, maybe that's a good reason to avoid you know avoid having me maybe I'll have to I'll have to start my own maybe I'll start my own festival in Ireland I'll have an, an Irish Irish festival because I think in Ireland they still they still retain a little bit you know like Irish you know that the Irish like you have a lot of this stuff the politics about you know like African Americans in the US but no one ever talks about the the uh, you know the Irish Americans or the Italian Americans or the Polish Americans or like you you name it Americans in you know, like like every single minority that turned up in America had a really really tough time and you know the Irish have a little bit of a of, of a, he- a heads up you know like a you know a lift up when it comes to being oppressed because a lot of them you know there were quite a lot of slaves that were sent from Ireland to you know America and the Caribbean and stuff so you know the original slaves of the Americas were you know North America were, were Irish so you know so the, the Irish have a little bit more uh, you know leeway but um, you know maybe that's a racist thing to say who knows so but again but th- these are the kind of conversations you can't have any more and you know we're kind of you're much we're much poorer for it of not being able to just have a normal you know to say something without people getting uh, kind of upset and uh, it will I guess it will for, for me like it will have to get to the point where you just you just do a you just get like an invited audience of people who you kind of you know self-selecting like they're not you know they just come and they don't get they don't have to pay but you know the people who can who are grown up enough to be able to listen to you know someone talk about something and you just have to film it and then you just have to put it on YouTube and there'll be no live performances and uh, you know I'm sure Dave Chappelle will probably have to do the same like you know Netflix are not gonna get him to do any more shows because it's just not you know for that like zero 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 one percent of people who have never seen his show but are like you know arguing for him to be banned for life um you know they kind of dominate kind of everything because because at the end of the day people are just cowards you know they're just uh, it's just the way we are it's like how you survive like you know you know you just have to be a coward um you know for every for every person who's like brave and fights for something you know like you know, 80% of them die doing it. So what's the point? You know, just be a coward. You've, you've, you've got a better chance of, uh, of you know, of get, and just join in as well. You know, if someone's bullying someone, just join in and um, bully as well because that's a good way of stopping them from bullying you. Um, that's my kind of advice. I always tell that to my kids, just, just you know, just bully. Um, or, you, or you can make it, or you can be like... Um, difficult to chew that's a good way of uh, that's a kind of good way of, of you know like some animals are difficult to chew uh, so it's not worth it so you can just be I think I've I think I kind of did that I think I've tried that in my life as a writer like I was always very I'd always attack people who attack me rather than just taking it which is not the normal way of doing it you know I'd always I think it's like a working class thing um, but you know if you become unchewable then people like think twice about about doing it. So, um, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, be difficult. Be as rough as a file. That's the, that's the you know that's the you know, not as smooth as a knife, but as rough as a file. Um, so yes, I know I've been rabbiting on a very long time as I've been like driving along the 
A9, the most boring road in the world. Um, it's kind of it's, it's kind of a dangerous road as well. It's like uh, you know, it's, it's kind of it's just like two lane road for like two hours, and every now and again there's like a dual carriageway, and everyone goes, everyone goes crazy, and then it like narrows down again. Um, so yeah, but any but to finish up. So you, you know, so so when I was talking to Dion about this, I was like. That's it. Fuck it. I'm not coming. I'm never. I'm not touring again. I've had it. I just can't be. I can't stand it. I can't stand the, the stress of it all. Like it's already, you know. Like people don't get that getting in your car and driving all around the country, you know. Like investing. Like I invest. I have to invest like, like a month away from my wife and my, you know, like my one-year-old son who it's like missing his birthday missing him he's just started walking you know I'm kind of leaving her to deal with him and all that kind of stuff and um, I'm kind of driving around and uh, you know there's like there's the super cold there's the fucking COVID there's the delta this and delta shite that there's like you know like it's, it's not it's, it's actually a high risk endeavour you know like like you know, meeting, standing on a stage in front of like hundreds of people who are all laughing at me, you know, ideally, you know, breathing on me, you know, it's just, um, you know, it's like, I am like taking a fucking risk here. Like, yeah, I may, I might make some money, but it, I probably could make as much money if I just stayed at home. Um, but I'm doing it because I kind of, I kind of used to like doing it. Like I really used to, I used to think, you know, I would I would pay to stand on a stage and perform and tell people my stories, but kind of less so when I feel like I'm not allowed to tell my stories. I'm kind of confined into being this kind of safe, a safe pair of hands. Like, you know, I probably I've probably told told this story before, but I once went to the sports person sports persons of the BBC sports persons of the year, and on the stage was like Gary Lineker or somebody. You know, like Gary Lineker, he's like he's he's like a safe pair of hands, but he's so fucking bland. You know, he's like the blandest man in the world. Like he just, you know, his opinions and the way he talks, he's just bland. But he's but he's safe. Anyway, then um, uh, Barry, I think he Wiggins um, got up there. Bradley Wiggins, you know, cyclist, got up there to get. He was like sportsman of the year, and you know, like there was like an, there was a real electricity in the room. And everyone was like, what the fuck is he going to do? Like, what's he going to say? What's he going to do? And you could see, like, Gary Lineker and all these, like, knobheads at the BBC, like, quaking, you know, quaking in their knees. And, um, you know, it's like, but that's the world you're going to get. You're going to get a world of, of Gary Lineker's, you know. Um, like, I even I even sent, a, a, you know, I've got a friend of mine who is, like, a, you know, really, really cool climber. He's, he's just really, well, so, so he is, but he's, like, just a really... He would be like fantastic on telly. He's like young. He's like good looking and all that kind of stuff. And I sent it. I sent off a film he'd made, a little film he'd made. And he's really good at narrating this film. And it's just, it's just a really good guy to, you know, if you're looking for someone to be in the TV program, he's like ideal person. You know, so I sent it off to this friend of mine who's got like a production company. He does quite a lot of TV. And he basically said, unless he's like a minority, he's not going to get on television. And it's just. It's just kind of, I don't know. It's just uh, the world's gone crazy. It really has gone crazy. So, but this, but this guy who's going to 
or this woman, I never, and actually, you know, I, I don't know who it was, but if you, um, if I was to come, anyone who would judge me as being something, something negative, anyone who would do that, if I was to come and sit in front of you for two hours, like, so I'm on stage for two hours, like, if I was coming and sit for you with two hours, and you talked continually for two hours to somebody else, I guarantee you would be exposed as sexist, racist, homophobic, you know, xenophobic, summerphobic, you know, you would be uh, claustrophobic, you know, you would be exposed as being a fucking hypocrite. And it's very easy for you to sit in the audience and for me to have to kind of ad lib and trying to entertain you and for you to be, to judge me. But, you know, these people are never judged. When really, you know, if you really look at what these people say, they are fucking racists. They are the racists. That's the crazy thing about all this. Like, you know, they are just filled with hate. And that's, and that, I think that's what's the most annoying thing about it. It's like, like, I'm not saying I'm a good person, but I, but I try to be. But I don't think these people even try to be. They don't even know what being human is anymore. And I think that's, that's, that's just kind of disturbing. You know, that's, you know, like they're kind of guiding society and telling people what is, what should be said and what shouldn't be said and what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. When they're the, the least able to judge what those things are really. Um, and I guess that's why they never want to, they never want to debate you. They never want, they don't want us, they don't want to meet you at the end of the gig and say, I thought that was racist what you said there. And for you to say, you know, what do you mean? Explain what I'm, you know, like you said that, you know, some black people are poor and don't live in the ghetto and and uh, can have ID. That's racist. Like, do you not know all black people are, you know, poor and ignorant and stupid and they all live in the ghetto? And it's like, hmm, I don't, don't think I really, you know. You know so, so a lot of these people, when you get actually get them to explain what they're thinking, they actually have the most bigoted, racist, sexist, you know, intolerant, backward kind of views of... Uh, of people so you know maybe that's maybe that's offensive <laughs> maybe that's a triggering I thought but I but you know I think I believe that you know more than ever you know like uh, my lived experiences is these people are, are uh, need to be chucked out they need to be like not listened to and uh, don't give them the money back that's what I say you know make them you know even Vanessa was like, you should get them, you should pay their ticket and they could come and see you and you have to sit right to the end of the show, you know, and see what the punchline is, you know, but, but why bother? Like, why, why uh, bother? Because although you can do it, you can do your show and these people can piss you off and you can be like, that's it, I'm not doing, I'm not doing it again, I'm giving up, I'm not going on tour again. Then you, at the end of the show, you, like, people come up and those people, like yesterday was a couple who come all the way from, London, like they'd flown up for the weekend, just you know, just kind of to go to this gig in Sterling, and you're like, Christ, like, you know, why? It's the same thing, like, why let those, that tiny minority of wankers, you know, and know nothings, and you know, they really are know nothings. They don't know anything of the world and of, and of human nature and anything, anything. Or why let them spoil, you know, spoil it for everybody else? Um, so yeah, so it was. So for those for those guys who was who came up yes last night in Sterling, you know you kind of you kind of it kind of ran through the cordon 
where you weren't allowed to go near me in case you like infected me you know um thank you for uh <laughs> thank you for breaking the rules so um so yeah so so yeah so it's a you know these these like whenever you go on tour you always have to you always have to deal with all this kind of all this bullshit there's, there's enough stuff to deal with you know oh my telephone's ringing right my telephone's ringing i'm gonna go okay bye Mealtime inspiration. It's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.